Hi, Diamonds. Welcome to the United State of Women, a forum where professional women come together to thrive by living more connected to our power, our purpose, and our plan. We invite you to tune in every other week where we show you that you can have it all and teach you how to get it by becoming the star of your own life and not just a supporting role in your life, career, and relationships. Here with Julie Dean, my USW podcast ambassador and co-host, I am Kalina James, owner of LCR, a business consulting and leadership development coaching company. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, Diamonds. On today's episode, we are talking about domestic violence. If you are someone who is struggling to find your self-worth after being in in an abusive relationship, today's episode is for you. Michaela Runkle is a PhD student who just wrote her very first book called Dear World, and we are so privileged to have her here on our show. Welcome to our show, Michaela. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited too. You know, it's kind of cool. This is our first time meeting in person, but I feel like I know you so well because I've been stalking you online, and I mean that in a complimentary way you know you're so cool and you're so inspiring and I really am so thankful that we were able to connect my heart's literally overwhelmed right now you're the sweetest person I've ever met but no I appreciate it and just to be a part of your movement that you have going on here I am so honored and so humbled that you asked me to be on your podcast so thank you from the bottom of my heart thank you you're welcome you're so welcome (laughs) (laughs) um It's kind of cool. I met Michaela online through Instagram. Yes. (laughs) It's a fun story. It's such a fun story. And we really wanted to take this moment to shout out at Law of Ambition, Luis Garcia, for giving us a platform to connect. Yeah. So he put up a, a random picture. I forget what day of the week it was. It was an odd hour. And essentially he said this page, so his page, is for networking with each other, not just hearing his content, but he wanted his followers to interact. And so I saw that post go up and I'm like, you know what, let's just put something out there and see who we run into. And so I put um, a comment up and said, I'm from Indianapolis and writing this book and just wanted to start building my tribe. And then Julie, I'm pretty close to Indy. (laughs) Let's, let's sync up. So, and I didn't actually think you would take me up on it honestly I was like she's probably way too cool for me (laughs) no not at all (laughs) never (laughs) so um kind of give us a little bit of background you currently go to IUPUI yes so I have been at IUPUI for oh my goodness six or seven years now I've lost track yeah I'm just gonna be a perpetual student so my running joke right now is I'm gonna spend my entire 20s at IUPUI um so I me too me too all my 20s yeah (laughs) Um, yeah, I did my undergrad at IUPUI. I was a psychology major. And then I jumped over to the medical school downtown and worked on my master's. And then I decided to stick around for a PhD. So here we are. <laughs> here we are. What are you, um, what's your major in? So uh, my PhD is in exercise physiology, but I have a focus in neurology. So I love the brain. Um, I knew whatever I did with my life, it would be centered around the brain and studying how it works to some capacity. So I was thinking neurosurgeon for a while and not completely off the table yet, but 
I think the brain is the most fascinating part of the human body in the sense we have no idea how it works. Like we still can't define what consciousness is and our brain dictates every single part of our life and our experience as human beings, but we know how it works. We don't know what goes on inside of our head. And so, I mean, I, I want to be on the forefront figuring that out. And if we can figure that out, imagine how much more advanced we can become as people and understand ourselves more and just enjoy our human experience that much more. I love that. That yeah. is so great. You know, neurology interested me when I was a kid, yeah. but then I realized there was like so much involved <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, the brain is so complicated. Yeah. I don't even know how to, you know, not think about so many things all the time. I can't imagine my brain is working on top of me thinking and I'm still moving my body and there's like this going on and that going on. And I just stopped right there. I was like, this is too much for me. Too much for me. As <laughs> <laughs> a rabbit hole, right? I mean, gosh, I don't even know what your neurology class is like. You have a neurology lab on Fridays? Yeah, it's um, a gross neurology class at the moment. So I, <laughs> I was talking to my mom about it earlier this week and she's like, so what do you do exactly? Yeah. Um, but full on, we have the cadavers. I wear the scrubs and um, we're dissecting brains at the moment which oh I is love just brains. my life right now I know but just holding a human brain in your hand you're like wow this is this yeah. is real this is what a person used to go through life with and well Kalina would appreciate this too <laughs> because um the reason I went to massage school was because I wanted to pursue forensics pathology Ooh. and the reason I decided to go to massage school was because I learned on Fridays at lab, we would be dissecting a cadaver. Oh, there you go. So common interest. Hey. We love dead bodies. <laughs> Great bonding ground. <laughs> I so love I've it. held a brain too. It feels kind of like a pencil eraser. It does. And you're not expecting it. It's, it's weird, right? I, I was like, and it's not really like the color that I thought it would be. Yeah. I don't know if the formaldehyde changes it. I don't know what a fresh cadaver would look like or what it looks like inside yeah. our head. But um, no, it's wildly fascinating. <laughs> Well, that was a little bit of a digress there, huh? <laughs> um, well, Michaela came into Kokomo to our podcast studio today because she wanted to share a little bit more about her book and her background with writing this book, Dear World. And I wanted to give her this platform to share with you all because I know there are a lot of women right now that are just feeling stuck. And maybe you're not in an abusive relationship right now, but if you are and you're looking for a resource or a way to change what you're in right now. This is definitely an episode geared towards that. I've never been a victim of domestic violence, um, so I didn't want to speak on that. And Michaela's firsthand been through this, and she's here to kind of help you navigate through all the struggles and challenges that you might be facing right now in your life. Sure. It's, um, it's a title I never thought I would hold. And, I mean, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy um, but after the altercation, I was in the worst spot that I have ever been in my entire life. And it was a spot of isolation and judgment from friends and family. Um, and also just the realization of how toxic my relationship was. And I, over time, realized there have to be other people, um, men and women, that unfortunately will be or have been in my shoes. And I just feel like it's one of my life purposes. One of my sole missions in life is to find that community and let them know that they're not alone because I did not have that community after the altercation. I did not have anybody that I could look at and feel safe around or feel as though they understood what I was going through. And I never, ever want another person 
that has been or will be in my shoes to feel that way. And I want them to know that they have a support system. They have somebody that understands. Incredible. Um, Can you kind of give us a little bit of background about what your life was like before this relationship? Of course. Yeah. So, so it starts fairly early. Um, I started dating this guy when I was 20, 21 years old. So college boyfriend. So before I met him, I was, um, obviously it's just such a strange, strange time in life. You're figuring out the world. You're, um, I was about halfway through college. Um, so insecurities of who I was as a person were running rampant. I didn't know what I believed about, religion, about my life purpose, about, um, I didn't even know what I wanted to major in. I had no answers, just questions. And that overwhelmed my soul. I just felt like I had no purpose in life. Essentially. I had nowhere to turn. Um, my, my upbringing, I'm the only child. I have two incredible parents that I love with my entire heart. Um, but high school was a a strained time for me in the sense my family did have a lot of financial hardships. So I actually dropped out of high school about halfway through my sophomore year because I realized how bad the financial situation was getting with my parents. And I started working right when I got my driver's license. So immediately um, I went from like a full-time student, um, 16 years old, to working 40 hours a week because I wanted to help keep the lights on or um, make sure there was warm water in the showers. And I got to be close to my senior year or what would have been my senior year. And I realized that we couldn't save the house. There was no way that we were going to financially be stable. So I decided to start taking online classes. So the last two and a half years of high school, I essentially took online classes and then busted that out and still graduated on time. And that was probably one of the hardest things in my life I'd done to date. And um, at that point, um, I decided education was my meal ticket, if you will. It was my meal ticket to security, financial security in life. And so I jumped into college and I lacked social relationships at that point just because I had been working um, and I didn't have the normal high school friendships. But um, yeah, then I got to college and met what I thought was the man of my dreams. So so much for sharing that. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know that you dropped out of high school. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so crazy. Yeah. So you're a real testament to anybody who is currently, you know, thinking that they might not finish high school because of the things that they are facing, that it is still something you can do. And even if it means you have to buckle down and take online classes, that education is, like you said, your meal ticket. And it's something that you really need to, you really need it. And I think it gets overlooked. You know, we're so quick to think, well... I don't need this because I can do that, missing that maybe this is going to get you to that. It was, uh, I couldn't see another way out. And um, I just, I saw education as a path to a job that was financially secure. And I didn't know what that looked like exactly, but I just knew I had to go to college. Fast forward, you meet this guy, Mr. Wonderful. (laughs) He um, knocks me off my feet. I'm head over heels for him. Um, He's a little bit older than me, so I was, I think, 21. I forget the exact age when we started dating. Um, And he was uh, 29, so he was eight years older than me. And, I mean, just instantly, I was entranced by him. He had traveled the world. He grew up overseas. He just had such a broad understanding of 
life in general. And from somebody that lived in the same town in Indiana my entire life, I was fascinated by how much of the world he had seen. And I just, I loved his perplexed view on life. And we would just sit around and talk about traveling the world and how just everything. I was just, I was smitten by him. So he, he easily um, just came in. I instantly made him my life purpose. I thought he was going to be my husband and the father of my children. I just, I had a feeling. When you were thinking life purpose, did you spend all of your time with him? Did you find yourself at that time losing a lot of your relationships with other people because you were spending all of your energy on this man? So relationally, I had always struggled, especially the first part of college, making friendships. And I think it was a social skill that I missed when I was in high school because I went from working with my peers in a classroom setting to working with people that were 10, 15, 20 years older than me in a work life setting. And we did not obviously have a we had a good work relationship, but we didn't have necessarily a bonding. They would um, go to a bar after work. And I was like, I'm 17. I'm going to go home. What is alcohol? And, um, then when I got to college, those social skills were underdeveloped. So I had a few friends, but I didn't know how to have deep friendships, meaningful friendships. So I think that's why I clung on onto him so tightly because he was the first friend essentially that I had post eviction. And, um, yeah, it, it more so interfered with my schoolwork. So I knew school was a driving factor for me. And when I got to college, I was the first person to lecture, last one to leave, asked all the questions, had a 4.0, mastered academics because I knew its purpose in my life. And then I met him and I realized there was another approach to life, a more diverse approach to life. And um, there's more to the world than just education where... I saw education previously as the only avenue to success. And I realized there were multiple avenues after I met him and started talking with him. So meeting him, I started to scale back on my drive to become successful at school. And so GPA started dropping all of this jazz. And um, yeah, I think I ended college with like a 3.4 GPA but I had switched to a pre-med track at that point and as a pre-med student that's heavily frowned upon so um he he took away from my or I let him I gave him the power to take away from my purposes you guys are dating and you're thinking well it's not that big of a deal because I'm probably gonna marry this guy and I'm just gonna travel the world, so what do I even care if my grades slip a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And um, yeah, we had started traveling around the United States, and what I used to think was important wasn't important anymore. I mean, I'm assuming you've been in love before. You know what it's like. You, um, I, it's your future changes a little bit when you start envisioning yourself with this person. And I was. I mean, I had no doubt in my mind that I would spend the rest of my life with him. He was my best friend. And um, then it got to be, I had just finished college. It was uh, the day after I took my last college final. So fresh 22 at that point. And um, it was his birthday, actually. So his birthday. And then um, we were celebrating the conclusion of my college career. Celebrating. Celebrating. It was a very strained 
morning, if you will. He was in a strange mood and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And I didn't know why he was turning 31 at the time. And I really wanted to take him out for dinner for his birthday. Just, I mean, that's what you do in my family. You take go out for dinner you celebrate yeah, uh, it's a birthday birthday and I graduated hey let's celebrate and um when we were at the restaurant um he became wildly wildly intoxicated and it was I mean surprising to me I had never seen him that intoxicated before he um just kept shot after shot and I was really perplexed by that I didn't know why he was drinking so heavily when we were supposed to be celebrating he was alcohol it's a good time to relax not necessarily as a means of escape and that's what it felt like him like this before I'd seen him I knew he always had a beer in him always had some sort of alcohol around him and I grew up in a dry household so yeah pretty much everything I learned about alcohol was through my college boyfriend because I had never been around it before so I thought this was normal. I thought this was um, what people did who drank alcohol because I had no other life experience to go off of. And so when I saw him um, just start consuming shot after shot, I just figured that was his form of celebration. That was, um, now I see it as an abuse of alcohol. But at the time, I just thought... Party, it's a phase. We're just living it up. We're celebrating. I'm from Vegas, so I totally understand, you know, that mentality and it was the norm for me Mm -hmm. when I was living out there you know these toxic relationships that were kind of built around drinking and that was just the way we hang out and you're not an alcoholic if you're just doing it with your friends and you're not an alcoholic if it's if there's a routine and a structure missing that you know you're still self-medicating yourself with alcohol and you're not really really doing anything besides just drinking and feeling like garbage exactly yeah yeah so, yeah, so he's he's drinking a lot, and mm-hmm. you guys are still at dinner? Yep, we're still at dinner. Um, There's some sort of soccer game on. He was a huge soccer fan. So watching the game, um, at that point I had quit drinking, I think maybe sometime during the first half, and I only had a beer or two, so I was pretty much sober by the time the game had concluded, um, switched to water, and they had amazing wings at this restaurant. That's all I remember. Um, and then, um, the waitress came by or the bartender and, um, she shook my arm a little bit, got my attention. She's like, honey, you need to get out of here right now or we're going to call the police. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I looked over at him and he was falling out of his chair. I had never seen him that intoxicated before in my life and blackout drunk at the bar. And so got everything checked out, paid for. Um, and as soon as we walked out of the bar, I was just overcome with a feeling that I had never had before. Um, when we were in the restaurant, I was angry that, I mean, this was supposed to be a celebratory night. We were supposed to be, I finished college and it was your birthday. I wanted to be so excited, but um, you got drunk and I was angry. But as soon as we walked out of the restaurant, it was like the world slowed down and I knew instantly something was wrong. And I was just overcome with this feeling of run, just run. And so I turned my back to him and I started sprinting and we were downtown Indianapolis and he lived about a mile away and my car was there. My dog was over there. And so I knew if I could sprint back to his house and get the dog and get in my car before he got home, I would be fine. I could leave. And so 
that's what I did. I started sprinting through the city streets and I had flip flops on at the time. So I took those off and I could literally feel my feet bleeding because I was stepping on glass, anything. I think I was running out in front of cars. They probably thought I was crazy. Um, but this feeling was so strong and so powerful. I just, I knew if I stopped that it would be bad. And I didn't know what that would look like exactly, but I knew my life depended on me to keep moving. So I got my friend on the phone as I was running and I told her something was terribly wrong and I needed her to come and get me, come meet me at the house. And so I got to the house and um, that's where everything goes black for me. She saw the altercation happen. Um, She said I was screaming the entire time. I'm starting to get a little shaky <laughs> every time I talk about it. Um, Me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> is, um, so she said I was screaming the entire time, and I have no recollection of that. And um, she said that he raised his hand and struck me on the left side of my face, and I had a giant bruise there afterward. And then I did was stop screaming. I'm like, why am I screaming? What's happening? And they all looked terrified. They were just staring at me. I'm like, what, what's happening? stand and um just I guess I was screaming so loud that the neighbors ran over and they had pulled me out of the house and um situation and they went back and got my dog and put me in my friend's car and we sped away and I honestly did not realize that the altercation happened and so we got to her fiance's house and as soon as I walked in his foyer I felt my head started throbbing. I think the adrenaline had just worn off and I mean, I just collapsed. I could not believe that that had happened. I was in complete shock and that was my life (laughs) and that was my reality. If you or someone you know is struggling with domestic violence, call the National Domestic Violence Hotline today at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800- 799-7233. With that being said, ladies, as we always said before, you have a choice to live connected to your power and your purpose and your plan. We look forward to supporting you every other week. And as we always say at the end of every episode, shine bright.